Welcome to the FOI Equip podcast, your free resource for learning and engaging with the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris Katolka. You know, the scriptures tell the story of God's chosen people and his plan to bring salvation to the whole world through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Come see why it matters that God would choose an ancient people to bring a timeless hope to a lost and broken world. Now, listen, I want to encourage you to go to foiequip.org to sign up to be on our mailing list. You're going to receive vital information on how you can join our free live online FOI Equip classes. Now get ready. Join our expert staff on the FOI Equip podcast as we teach the scriptures, unravel the colorful world of Jewish culture and customs, reveal God's prophetic plan, and so much more. Now enjoy this teaching from FOI Equip. So we want to focus on his second advent. We all know that Jesus is, uh, has been here, and we know that he promised to come again. And there are messianic prophecies that indicate that that's going to be the case. The reason we want to focus first is why the second advent? Why will he come again? Well, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4, uh, tells us, Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Very significant aspect to share with Jewish people. Jesus is coming again, and he's coming again to save them. I got to take just a moment here and um, talk about when I went through my um, bone marrow biopsy at the hospital when I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, Steve will remember that because I had a, a Jewish doctor that he got a chance to meet afterward. But um, as I was wheeled into the, uh, into the OR for the bone marrow biopsy, I got to be honest with you, I was probably about as scared as a human being can be at that point. And um, very excited for the Lord to return, anything that would have gotten me out of that, uh, that moment. But when I walked in, I knew that I had a divine appointment because the doctor, who was very nice, first of all started asking me some questions about who I was, what I did, that kind of thing. And I shared with him a little bit about Friends of Israel. And he said, I know why all of you Christians love the Jewish people so much. You want to get us back in the land so Jesus can return. And when he returns, he can kill all the Jewish people in the world and take over the world for the church. That's what I got when I was greeted by my doctor in the, uh, in the OR uh, at, at, Fox, at the Fox Chase Medical Center when I was being diagnosed with cancer. I said, wait a minute, doc, and everything changed. I said, we got to get that straightened out before uh, I go through this procedure, because if I don't live, I can't have you believing that ridiculous lie. And some of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at right here, right in this class, I had an opportunity to share with my doctor as I laid on the stretcher in the operating room, getting ready to get the bone marrow biopsy. It's really important that we remember these verses and that we share with them that the reason Jesus is coming again is to rescue, protect, save Israel. How about, uh, how about Daniel 12, 2? At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book, Daniel 12, 2. That ties in with Zechariah 12, 10, which we've looked at previously. The fact that, that the Messiah will return and that people will see him and that he's going to come back and fight for his people. 
And then a little less familiar, but over in uh, Zechariah 14, 3 through 7. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north, half towards the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. It shall come to pass in that day, there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 3 through 7. The key here is that the Lord is coming back to fight for his people. And we need to kind of keep that in mind and, and not forget to share that with them. We also understand he's going to come again. This time he's going to judge and rule the nations. For example, Isaiah 2.4, he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Very clearly, the Lord is going to return, and he's not only going to protect Israel, which is crucial, but he is going to judge and then ultimately rule the nations of the earth from his throne in Jerusalem. He's also coming back to set up an everlasting kingdom. Take a look with me. We're going to go to Daniel 2, 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. This is a reference that comes out of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And you'll remember this was the rock not hewn by human hands that smashed into the image of the times of the Gentiles that began with Nebuchadnezzar as the head of gold and then went down to the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze and the legs of iron and the toes of iron and clay. That rock not hewn with human hands is the messianic kingdom. It was the physical return of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring to an end the times of the Gentiles and to set up a Jewish kingdom. And as Daniel says, that it shall never end. Man, I don't know about you. I'm excited about that. Look forward to, to, to being able to experience that day. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 13. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he may be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. Zechariah is telling you in Zechariah 6.13 that when the Lord returns, that he's not only going to sit on a throne, but he's going to be a priest on a throne. And if you remember anything from within Bible history, you'll remember that you couldn't bring together the priesthood and the kingship because when that happened, the, the person was in control of the temporal and the spiritual. You'll remember the kings ruled for God, but when a king tried to do something that the priests were supposed to do, they got slapped down very hard. One of those was Saul. Saul was told to not offer a sacrifice. He was to wait for Samuel. And you remember from the Bible 
the people were fleeing from him. Samuel was delayed, and so Saul began the sacrifice himself, and God was not happy with him. The worst, though, happened to, to King Uzziah, because King Uzziah was a good king, but he got impressed with himself, and he became very, very puffed up with his ability and with what he was, what he was accomplishing. And it says in the text that he grabbed a censer that he put, was going to put incense on, and he was going to offer that incense on the, on the altar of incense, which was right before the Holy of Holies, which was not his job. It took 81 priests, including the high priest, to withstand him and to try to get him out of there. Ultimately, he was stricken with leprosy and forced to flee and lived alone for the rest of his life. So Bible is telling us only one person could bring together the temporal, the idea of physical leadership, and the spiritual, the idea of spiritual leadership. And we're told in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 13, that he will be a priest on a throne. Very interesting because priests were not on thrones. Priests were always ministering. They were never done. But Jesus, we're told in Hebrews that when he finished everything that he did here on earth, he did the one thing that a priest had never done. He sat down because he had completed that which he was given to do. So I think that's really significant that uh, Zechariah tells us that he's going to rule as a priest on a throne. And then we've got one last verse here on part C, to set up an everlasting kingdom, Zechariah 14, 9, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day, it shall be the Lord is one and his name is one, Zechariah 14, 9. Make no doubt about it, the Lord is coming again. He's going to come back to rescue and protect Israel from Antichrist and the forces of, of evil. He's going to judge and rule the nations, and he's going to set up a kingdom that will never end. And we're going to be involved in that kingdom because that kingdom is the millennial kingdom that we look forward to. Now we have some results of these promises because we understand that we, we believe in a physical, visible return. And we see in Zechariah chapter 14, I've got verses three and four here. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the mountain shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. We just read this. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north and half of it towards the south. He is coming back physically. You'll remember he ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And the two witnesses or men came and they stood. And as the people watched Jesus go up, they looked down and saw the faces of the people who were there and said, why do you stand here looking up? This same Jesus shall come again in like manner. So he's going to come back. He's going to descend from heaven and he is going to land on the Mount of Olives because that's where he ascended from. And we were told that he's going to come back. So we believe in a physical, visible. Arnold doesn't agree with him at all. Excuse me. Somebody said something. I couldn't hear it. Okay. Make sure, make sure everybody is muted, please. Acts chapter 1, verse 11, behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And it and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Revelation 1, 7. Jesus is coming again, and the Bible tells us that every eye will see him. Matthew 24 indicates that as the sun goes to the east to the west, 
so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And as the lightning goes, it's going to light up the heavens and everybody will see him. We look forward to that physical, visible return. And we'll be coming back with him if we've been, if we're dead and, and or raptured before that event, we would be coming back with him. Otherwise, those who would be here would be able to see him, but we would be coming with him. And that's an event that's going to be absolutely unparalleled in human history as the Lord returns. We also evangelize because we know what awaits the lost. And you know, folks, one of the most important aspects of all of this to me is that we know there are people who don't understand who Jesus is. You maybe have a Jewish friend or you have a, a Jewish colleague or maybe someone in your family that you know that doesn't know Jesus. We get calls all the time at Friends of Israel for prayer time asking us to pray for people that they would be responsive to, understand, hear, and know about the gospel. And we understand what's going to happen when the Lord returns. We evangelize because we know what awaits the lost. Take a look at Jeremiah chapter 30. Let me, let me switch here. Jeremiah 30, and we're going to go to verse 7. Jeremiah 30 and verse 7. In Jeremiah 30, the Bible says, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. People that know the Lord will be delivered. People that know the Lord have the opportunity to survive that period and actually go into the kingdom. But those that don't, I'll tell you what lies in the future is, is going to be really, really devastating. Turn to Daniel chapter 12. We use this verse a lot. It's part of what I put together that I teach the students at Word of Life for um, evangelism. And in Daniel 12, 1 and 2. Daniel 12, it says here, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book of life and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. My friends, there is a lake of fire to shun, and there's a heaven on heaven to gain. And our desire is that people would know who Jesus is and that they would be able to miss that lake of fire, that they would be able to miss that, that judgment. We see here in Revelation chapters 4 through 19, just look at the judgments that are poured out on humanity as, as the seals, bowls, and vials are poured out. And then ultimately, we come to Revelation chapter 20. And we have what's known as the, the rebellion at the end of the tribulation. And then in chapter 21, we have, we have the, the eternal state. But before that, we have verses 11 through 14, the great white throne judgment. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. 
and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Folks, I don't know about you, but that really worries me when I think about people that I know that don't know who Jesus is. They haven't accepted him. They haven't asked him to, to, to be their Lord and Savior. And I'm concerned because I don't want them to be there. I wish that no one had to be there because, as the Bible says, God's not willing that any should perish. But the bottom line is people will because people have the ability to make that choice for themselves or because many have not heard. Back in the Gospel of Matthew, we see up on the screen, I, I jumped ahead to get to the Revelation. But in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to go to verse 19. Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is why he received the seed by the wayside. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. You'll remember that's the parable of the, uh, of the sower going forth to sow. And he told us that the seed represented the word and that it fell on different kinds of soil. Some soil he referred to as the wayside, and that's where it's like the, the beaten down path that people would walk on, and that's where the seed could be snatched away and be, be taken so that the person's heart was not responsive to it. My prayer is that everybody's heart would be responsive to the word of God and that God's word will prosper wherever he sends it. And I hope that's yours too. We also have one other one, Matthew 24, which is a very familiar passage, and we're going to be in verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. Let me tell you, if you think life's bad here, if you think it's terrible now, let me tell you, we have not seen or experienced what will what life will be like during that great tribulation. And that's why it's so easy now to, to get saved, to share the gospel. It's easy. I realize people may not like it. I realize people may make fun of us. But let me tell you, it's a lot better to share it now and have them have the opportunity to, to believe in the Lord as their Savior than it is to, to wait and see if they get through to the bitter end and have that opportunity to see him when he returns. I've known people that have thought that was going to be the case. The interesting thing is it's good that they received him now because they've all died. So the odds of them making it were strongly against them. So praise the Lord that they embraced him now. And him, right, if you profess in him now, you can have that joy of a relationship beforehand and, and get to really do some things to minister on behalf of the Lord who did so much for us, which I think is very significant. So the result of these promises, we believe in a physical, visible return. We believe that we need to evangelize the lost, and that the word of God is God's power to salvation. We believe there's a, a heaven to gain and a lake of fire to shun. We also continue to pray, pray, pray for Israel and for the Jewish people. And let me tell you, this is really a big part of my heart, too. I was asked recently... Tom, what's, what's the biggest part of the reason why you do what you do? Because I love the Jewish people and I owe them a debt of thanks. Jesus came to me because they rejected him. And so to me, the best way that I can say thank you, the greatest way I can tell them that I love them is to share that most important gift that ever came to me, 
with them, which is about Jesus. Psalm 122 is a passage that I have loved ever since I first read it. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. Verse 8, for the sake of my brethren and companions, I will say, peace be within you. Let me tell you, loving, loving the Jewish people is a tremendous burden to want to share with them. And to have an opportunity to, to make Christ known is just an amazing blessing. And, and with that physical return, we know he's coming for Israel. They need to know this. They need to understand this. A number of years ago, I had a Jewish friend. His name was Meyer. And Meyer and I spent about eight to 10 years together as I was sharing with him about Jesus. And there were times when I was the only one that was picking him up at the nursing home and able to see him. And I remember one time he, he said to me, I must be a big failure because I'm not coming around as you would hope. And I said, nope, no, that, that's not the point. I, I share with you because I love you. And I share with you because you're important to me. But whatever happens, that's between you and the Lord. I can't save you. That's not my job. My job is to sow the seed, to share the word, to give them an opportunity to respond to Jesus. But the point is that unless the Lord calls them, unless the Lord does the saving, I'm powerless. That's not my job to save people. Ultimately, Meyer did respond to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I remember taking him to a church meeting after he got saved because he wanted to share with the people what he had done. And it was amazing. The entire congregation stood up and gave him a standing ovation because they had been praying for him and were so excited to know that he had asked Jesus to, to be his Savior, his Messiah, his Lord. And it was a tremendous blessing. Later, I was invited to do his funeral, and I had to be careful because I was told I could not mention Jesus anywhere surrounding that funeral. And... Um, I just remember talking about the fact how God changed Meyer's life, how he altered everything about him, and that God had done something very special in his life. And a lot of the people came up and asked questions, and I had the opportunity to answer what God had done in his life, and we were able to share there. But I didn't mention it out loud at the cemetery because I didn't want to disrespect what I'd been asked to do. But we pray for Israel. We share with them because we love them, or we should. And I hope that's why you're all here. I hope that's why you're all part of Friends of Israel, because you love Israel, we love Israel, and God is really happy and, and blessing us because of that love. One more passage that I want to share with you, and this is found in the book of Isaiah. It's one of the, uh, one of the things that uh, I have been using for years. This goes way back in the, in the annals of Friends of Israel history. We used to have a workshop called uh, Speak Tenderly to Jerusalem. And it came from these verses where God says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Verse 2, speak comfort to is to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know, I just want to kind of work through this. God says, comfort my people. The word comfort means speak to the heart. Folks, we don't ever want to speak to a person's brain. We want to speak to their heart, because with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. So he says, comfort, speak to the heart, speak tenderly 
to my people and cry unto them. Tell them that there is that their, their iniquity is pardoned, their sin's been paid for. I think we all realize Jesus paid it all. That's not just to him that we sing. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. And that's what we need to tell the Jewish people. Their warfare has ended. Their iniquity is pardoned. They've received double from the Lord's hands for all their sins. And I think he's talking there about the double blessing. The double blessing, number one, they have a relationship with God through Jesus, but they also get to be part of the church of Jesus Christ in this dispensation. Here and now, Jewish people that come to Christ, Steve Herzig, my wife, Lorna, other Jewish believers are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I think that's an amazing blessing because Lorna grew up being afraid that Gentiles would never accept her. Kind of like my doctor. He thought that, that Jesus was going to return to kill all the Jewish people in the world. That's not true. Jesus is not only the Jewish Savior and Lord and Messiah, but he loves them. And he's going to fight for them. And he's going to do everything he can to protect them. And he's going to return to save them from that complete utter destruction at the hands of the Antichrist and the false prophet and the, and the deliver them from that tribulation period. So why is the Lord coming back? He's coming back to protect and defend Israel. He's coming back to judge the world. He's coming back to rule over the world and to establish a kingdom that will never end. He's gonna come back physically He's going to come back to those who are lost. They will see him. And hopefully, many will get saved before that time and be able to be in the rapture that we look forward to and go up with us to heaven and be in our Father's house where he says there are many mansions. And then we need to continue while we're here. And right now, we can pray for that peace of Jerusalem because that peace of Jerusalem can really only occur when the Shar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, is ensconced in residence in Jerusalem. I don't know whether you've been following all that's going on in the news, but I'm telling you, it has been difficult over in Israel. They're trying to get some judicial reform. They've had some other things that are going on. And you know, whenever you've got a lot of people, you're going to have differences of opinion. The neat thing about the leadership of the Lord will be, he will be the ultimate authority He's going to make all the rules. They'll be fair. They'll be just. And there will be safety and there will be protection for Israel and for the world that has come out of that event. Folks, these promises that we've been going over are really, really a wonderful opportunity to trace through the scripture the most significant thing that God was ever going to do. That God so loved the world that he would give his only begotten son. That is the most significant event in human history. We could name any kind of events, but the most important thing was we needed a savior. And God promised to send that savior all the way back in Genesis. We saw our first week in Genesis 3.15. We saw that the Messiah was going to come from the seed of the woman, the one that would be the head crusher of the serpent. And we see that he's still going to come again. And he's going to come again physically. He's going to come again to, to reign and rule and to protect his ancient people whom he foreknew. 
Thank you for listening to our FOI Equip podcast. Again, I want to remind you to go to foiequip.org and sign up to be on our mailing list. We'd love to see you at one of our free live online FOI Equip classes. Also, be sure to listen to our other podcasts like the Jew and Gentile podcast hosted by yours truly and Steve Herzig. Also, the Gesher podcast hosted by Ty Perry. You can find out more ways to get involved with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry by visiting foiequip.org. FOI Equip is an outreach of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people. Hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon.